Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Inspiration and Isolation. It's a weekly conversation with artists about how we're weathering the coronavirus pandemic and the impacts to um, creative practice. I'm Asia Freeman, Artistic Director of Benell Street Art Center, and very happy to have with me today, Carla Cope and Amy Meisner. I'll ask questions of them and they will ask questions and of each other and so may you. You can type your questions into the chat box or you can unmute your microphone to ask aloud. Otherwise, just stay muted. Um, this conversation is recorded for Benell's podcast and will be available on Monday at benellarts.org along with many other weeks of wonderful conversations. So let me introduce our guests. Carla Cope from Homer graduated with a BFA from Oregon College of Art and Craft in 2003, lived and painted in Oregon, Wisconsin, and California before moving back to Homer in 2010. Carla finds fresh inspiration, as she says, in this beautiful and quirky place. She's driven by color and pattern, and her imagery is derived from personal narrative and the messy, lyrical, tragic, and profound experience of being an Alaskan woman, an artist, and a mother. Welcome, Carla. Thank you. Nice to be here. Alaska artist Amy Meisner combines traditional handwork, sound objects, and abandoned textiles to reference the lit literal, physical, and emotional work of women. She is shown internationally with textile work in the permanent collections of the Anchorage Museum, Alaska State Museum, the Contemporary Art Bank of Alaska, and Alaska Humanities Forum, as well as various private collections. With a background in clothing design, illustration, and writing, she holds undergraduate degrees in art and textiles, an MFA in creative writing, and she's currently an MA candidate at Critical Craft Studies at Warren Wilson College in North Carolina, where she's pursuing research in craft as remedy and northern repair culture. So excited to have you with us, Amy. Thank you. So um, let us um, begin with some some um, orientation to um, to yourselves. Um, let's start, Carla. Um, describe for us what your practice is like. You know, um, what is it? What is it that you've been working on in the studio between, let's say, last summer and about March first of this year? What were you doing and making before the global pandemic? <laughs> oh, that's a great question. It, it, it has been such an exciting and experimental year for me and for my art making. Um, this time last year, I had a show at Bunnell Street Art Center and had that inevitable, you know, what do I do next after, after the show was up? Um, and I started making concrete pots for all summer, just concrete vessels, just to try something different and something sculptural. Um, and I started looking through old sketchbooks from 20 years ago, seeing threads of, of themes that have been weaving its way through my work for the past, you know, over 20 years. And I started to dive back into to some of those themes. Um, and I opened up myself to this idea that I can experiment without judgment and just follow whatever whatever leads my interest. And I found um, myself working with the figure again, which had been a long time since I was working figuratively, um, really talking about 
motherhood and the, the physicality of having these small people orbiting around me. Um, I started working on a mural project and getting that started through a local elementary school. Um, I grew up here in Homer and owe so much to um, the artists and the teachers that inspired me throughout my life. And I feel very strongly about reconnecting and giving back in that way to my community. Um, and being, being that artist or being an artist for, for kids to um, work and play with and, and take some of the, um, I'm not a very structured person, so I bring a lot of that uh, kind of joy of making to, to artwork. And this, this whole year has just been really exciting, letting myself play as much as possible. And through that process, reaching out to other artists, who um, many of whom are here today to, uh, watching this, uh, this conversation, hello and welcome. Um, I, find, I found that connecting with other mom artists and local artists um, really helped me form new openings for a new avenues of, of making. Um, and then we've also been um, becoming catalysts for each other. So I have um, some shows lined up for next year, which potentially are on hold. I just don't know at this point, like a lot of people. Um, and I've also gotten involved with a, uh, a local doctor working on a renovation for his office, creating artwork that um, is derived from the colors and the natural forms of this area to create a healing space. So I have, I probably couldn't count how many projects and things I want to work on. Um, at this point, up until March 1st, I was totally ready and poised to start in my new studio. We're making a new house. Um, I was just about ready to get started once the kids are back at school to do this work that I have been gearing up and working toward. And um, up until March 1st, now we have a, a pause button on and it's shifted quite a bit. Mm. Wow. Thank you. Thanks for orient us, orienting us to a pretty <clears throat> dynamic moment in your life. Amy, tell us um, what you were doing from, say, six months to a year ago up until about March 1st. Yeah. Um, so I've been engaged in um, graduate school, which is a low residency program in North Carolina, in Asheville at Warren Wilson College. So um, I go twice a year for two weeks for this intense residency um, where I get to be with my cohort and amazing faculty from all over the world. And um, so I got to go in July and then I was there again in January. And in those in-between times, then I am basically working at home on this degree. Um, so my studio time has pretty much been put on hold, which I knew was going to happen. But um, I've been doing other things which still really feed me. Um, one of those things is a monthly repair workshop through the Seed Lab here in Anchorage. And those have been incredible. We started them last Jan or sorry, last June, and they're for um, anybody who they're free, you can walk in and, and learn how to mend something. And we've got machines set up and lots of supplies. And in January, we rolled out a whole new themed um, series of six workshops 
and um, really started shaping it into something that felt um, like it had a structure to it and a, and a format to it. And we were able to do a couple of those and then of course had to stop. So um, a few weeks ago, we just did our first online version of these mending workshops. Um, and we did two of those that were, were the same. Um, and they were, they were well attended and they were well received. And it was an interesting format for me to work in. I had never done that before. Um, and so it, you know, it brought its own challenges, but it also opened up the possibility of, you know, we had someone from South Africa join us and we had people in Fairbanks join us. And, you know, all of a sudden it, it could broaden in a way that meeting in person here in Anchorage couldn't. So that was kind of exciting. And I think we're, you know, we're, we are planning on trying to roll out a few more of those. Um, yeah, and so then the other thing that I have been kind of chipping away at, um, I have a couple of shows. One is a solo show um, at the International Quilt Museum in Lincoln, Nebraska in about a year from now. I have a group show at the Bunnell with um, Sonia Kelleher Combs and Hollis Mickey, Karen Lowell and Susan Scherer. Um, we had been meeting sort of semi-regularly in person to kind of talk about what we were doing and, and um, ended up meeting one time via Zoom, which wasn't the same. And of course it was right at the beginning of, um, I think it was mid-March mid and um, we decided to not meet in person because we still were unsure. Um, must've been earlier in March. Um, so we had a Zoom meeting that, and we didn't talk about our work at all. We just talked about what was happening, <laughs> but it was mm -hmm. still, it was still good. Um, so yeah, so I have, I have things in the hopper. Um, I'm finally able just this week to get back into the studio and start doing work that I feel good about doing and feel confident about doing. Um, I don't feel like I'm very confident in this graduate program. There's a lot of academic writing, which is not my kind of writing, um, but that's okay. I'm learning how to do it. And the whole point is to learn more. Um, but I, I think I end up feeling um, really unmoored um, in the best of times, working alone on a degree um, and you know, just meeting with my cohort via chats or Zoom sessions with faculty, you know, it's not the same as being in a residency, um, even, even for that short two week period. Um, but we are not meeting this summer. We've just gotten word um, a few weeks ago from the president of Warren Wilson College that, um, that we are gonna go totally online for this next semester, which is good and bad. Um, I didn't wanna have to make that choice about leaving Alaska in July when things felt really uncertain. And um, because I knew what that choice for me as a mother was going to be, um, and it would have meant probably you know, either leaving the program if I couldn't make it to the residency or, or something. I don't know. It was, it was just a conversation that I didn't want to have to have, and now I don't have to. So that's good. Um, but it is, it is a loss. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's so much. I mean, you particularly are just at an amazing kind of like um, swirl of so many layers of things that it can really feel the complexity of that and the intensity of that. 
Um, let's let's just step back though, um, and and I, I really am interested in going into some of those sort of tributaries of thought. But um, I would like to kind of step back and give some of our listeners a chance to to have a better sense of context about um, who you each are, how you live, and what you make. And so, um, like Amy and Carla, we can see that you're both in your studio spaces, and um, I, I know that they're really wonderful, um, dynamic spaces. And um, Carla, can you can you sort of orient us to like what what you're doing now? You know, what's the kind of like um, structure that you're trying to emerge into within this chrysalis of this new space? within this context of, of COVID-19 and how it's just really shaping your life, um, you know, on a practical and physical level. What, what's going on there on the wall? I, I see a giant um, wishbone. Yeah, this is a project. Um, so this is my, my new living room. We haven't moved in yet. Um, but my husband did get the studio, which is downstairs, functioning on January 1st. So I've been able to be in my own space, I, I've told my kids it's my sacred space, and you know I am the queen of that space. Um, so I occasionally get to sneak over to this house and and do some work. Um, the wishbone, I, I when I first went to school, I went for um, fiber design and and um, making wearables. I'm also a painter, and I've focus most on that in the last 10 years for sure. Um, but I do have this, this kind of visceral dr drive to make these um, pieces that you can wear and that take up space in, uh, um, in, in the environment. So with the wishbones, it's, um, I grew up on a fishing boat with my dad in the summers, um, fishing halibut and salmon. And there's, there's a lot of, um, fish scales and blood and bones that just become part of my visual vernacular. So bones are always something that's very important to me um, and has come back again and again in my making and in my imagery. These large bones are, um, this one is still in process, so it will look more bone-like as I go, but it's actually soft. So the idea behind it is to have a, uh, essentially an exoskeleton of this this bone that you can wear and uh, move up, move around in space and almost like a bubble of um, of protection, and then I, the fact that it's a wishbone they end up being something very fragile and holds the potential for um, breaking, you know, and for and for a, a wish that will come true or not come true. Um, to me, that speaks of the duality that I that I'm always working with in my artwork. Um, I've noticed it specifically with motherhood that, you know, it's, it's this wonderful, beautiful thing that I've chosen that also has these very um, strong challenges and uh, constraints. Um, so that's where I'm going with the, with the bone wearables. Um, I, at this point, I do not get much time in the studio. I am a, um, I'm in this moment of just frenetic making when I have a moment and I have just allowed myself to make starts. This is this moment of, of creating sketches, of pursuing ideas without 
judgment of my process, following where my um, my interest is leading me. And when I when I have the time and I have the ability to focus, I'll go in and do the details and do the things that really finish um, a painting off. At this point, just being able to come in and paint or come in and make and be uninterrupted for a small period of time is a rarity and a gift. And I'm really just trying to make it as joyful as possible. Um, if I don't have the opportunity to come in and make, it, it can get very stressful. Um, the, my life specifically hasn't, really hasn't changed that much. I'm still a mom. I still have two small kids. Um, there's just more of it. There's more responsibility and less reprieve from that, from, from those constraints in life. Um, and because we are building this house and uh, my husband works full time, a lot of the, the responsibility of childcare and the day-to-day -day management um, is on my shoulders with, um, with school for my, my older daughter um, and caring for my four-year-old. So I guess that's what I was saying before about the pause button. I, I've had to give myself a lot of space and grace to say, I'm gonna do what I can right now and just generate when I can. Um, and you know, there's really nothing else I can, I can really do at this moment except try to stay connected and try to stay inspired. And um, sometimes every day feels like a bit of a survival mode. Like there's a lot of adapting that happens moment to moment. Um, and, and sometimes magic happens and sometimes it just is a bad day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Carla. What are you What are you thinking, Amy? I mean, I I have the same question basically for you, but yeah, I just it's so great to hear another artist mother um, talk about projects that she's working on because the the themes are so similar for me as well, even down to the project that I'm working on currently, which is wearable. It's something that I haven't. Um, I noticed, Carla, that you also have a fashion design background, which is was really fun for me to discover. Um, because that's something that I did for 12 years and um, haven't really done any wearables. Um, and so that's something that I'm working on right now, also with very fragile components, but also this sort of bubble and also, you know, keeping oneself safe. And yet, um, I think, what I'm really dealing with right now in the middle of a pandemic and being a parent is like, I don't have the skill set um, to, to save a life. You know, I can keep, I can keep my children alive. I mean, that's what we do as parents, but I mean, if they were to get really, really sick, I have to rely on somebody else. And, um, and I think I just am feeling that right now, is just a, a very heightened experience for me in that like I just don't have I have meager abilities I guess that's what I'm um, feeling right now and so trying to express that in um, current work feels really important to me right now um, and yeah every minute that you have in the studio is a gift like the idea of having an eight-hour stretch 
or even a four-hour stretch, or even a two-hour stretch is completely fictional to me. Like, that is just, even when my kids are in school, by the time I actually have a little more time right now, because I'm not getting them someplace or and picking them up and taking them someplace like there's zero driving right now which is just like oh that's what's been taking up so much of my time that and making food and uh, and having um my husband at home and and really picking up um a lot of the food preparation has been a huge help for me as well because um yeah, you can really see like, oh, this is this is literally where all my time was going. Um, my kids are older than Carla's. They're um, my son is almost fourteen and my daughter is eleven, and they've kind of been feral <laughs> this whole time. <laughs> Luckily, um, feral, and yet they're both really motivated kids. And so, this just this morning, my son came to me and he said, "Mom, I just finished all my math for the year." And I just had so much gratitude to him, you know, for like, yeah, I mean, I was there to help and troubleshoot here and there, but you did this all by yourself and you, you showed up every morning and you did it. And we all have this work ethic right now that feels really, really apparent. And I think that this is the, this is my community. I've always had a really close family um, core but to really be feeding off of one another in this um, really motivated, really attentive way, um, I think has been good for all of us to see that, um, that yeah, we made two really um, motivated, cool people and, and here's they're really shining. Like neither of them had great computer skills. Neither of them had ever done Zoom sessions before and they, they're just on it. They're on top of it. And that feels great as a parent to see that happen. Hang on one second. Yes. <laughs> Carla, I'm, I'm thinking about how your work has, is, you're really doing something sort of different with the sculptural work on um, this wishbone piece. I, I think about how it um, invokes social distancing, actually. If you put that on, and then I think of a previous piece that you made, a really large coat with these giant tusks you know, and, and brought that out recently, brought that down to Bunnell, the sort of uh, contemplation on social distancing. And, um, and it, but interestingly, of course, mothering, I, having, uh, you know, going through it myself, you know, sometimes you really want to invoke some space. And so there's this double, you know, um, whammy going on right now for both of you, which is um, creating space for your work and creating space through your work. So your work actually, you know, sort of um, invoking some encapsulation for yourself creatively. That's, yeah, that's I, I have that question really brought up for me the, this idea that there is not enough time to do everything that needs to be done. And so when I choose to spend time making, which feeds my soul, there's a consequence. There's a price that I will pay later on down the road, later that evening. And specifically with the bones, I, I just got a wild hair. I'd been thinking about these for years. It seems so relevant right now with, with that need for space that I, it was a weekend, I think it was a Saturday and I'd been with the kids all week. I had my materials gathered. 
which even going to the store to buy things is, is a challenge. So I was ready to go and I just clicked into this mode of, I am figuring this out. I'm gonna figure out how to put these forms together and make this puzzle, make these bones. And I, I think I, I spent probably eight hours working on that while the kids were swirling around me, while my husband's working on projects that are, like if I step, if I step back, I would say, you know, making shelves for the new home is more important. But there was something in me that just had to completely give myself to making these bones. I had to do it right then. And people were talking around me. I couldn't, I was in my own bubble. Um, but I paid a price for that. And, and my family paid a price for that. But um, my daughter started acting out and, you know, ends up in a big um, tantrum situation. And I... I, so I struggle with that. Um, it, it, when it comes down to that, it feels selfish to do this thing that is deeply important to me because I'm putting other people's lives in, um, in disarray. And, and because my kids are younger and they're, they're so very, very attached to me um, physically and emotionally, they are not independent yet, hopefully someday. Um, and it's precious. It's precious to have that connection, but it also it also feels um, smothering. And I, I'm imagining that any parent or mother with kids that age can relate. I don't think it's unique, um, but it is very challenging. Um, so I, I love that question because it does it does it it brings it to a point of um, what am I going to choose? Am I going to choose to you know follow my passion in this moment and be lost in it or do something for my family and make make them um, happy so that everybody's lives are smoother and and sometimes you know my my passion wins out and we pay the price <laughs> I, I totally hear that too Carla it's um it's it's um there's a lot of guilt associated with disappearing into this space that I'm in right now um, and I know that it was definitely harder when they were little, um, and this has been a space in their lives for their whole lives. Mm -hmm. Um, and they've, but they've always been allowed to be in here and work on their own thing, but it is completely disruptive. It's, um, so I think, I think that, I mean, any artist is always thinking about their art and their problem solving and they're thinking about next steps. But um, I have often wondered if for, for mothers in particular, when you are doing all of these domestic roles that um, can be very mindless and mind numbing, there is still a very active inner world. And so it does give you the opportunity when you finally have that minute to you've already solved all the problems, right? So you, you are ready, you're totally ready. You've already gathered all your materials or you've gathered all of your, your steps in your mind. And so you can devote eight hours to something or at least a stretch of time to something and be pretty efficient. I think that's something that um, is a word that I've really been noticing for myself um, is that there is an efficiency. It's not, I wouldn't call it a speed because the work that I do is very, very slow but it's efficient. 
And so mm -hmm. uh, there's not a lot of mucking around and doodling around and messing around. It's like, no, I'm, I'm here, I'm showing up, I'm gonna get this done, and I already know how it's gonna get done. So, Amy, talk a little bit more about the work itself. So I'm thinking about um, some really arresting images that you've been posting recently on social media of um, the quilt kind of creating a capsule, a cap an encapsulated space that, that invokes the issues of social distancing and the sort of um, chilling out of, of accessibility and um, the sort of um, warmth or immediacy and intimacy of being able to connect with people. But when I look at that, it seems very much overlaid too by the challenges of, of mothering and creating space. So how are you, talk a little bit more about those works and how you came to that project. Yeah, and it's it's evolving still. Um, but I've really been thinking about about spaces and what, you know, being stuck at home, I guess, or being in the home. Um, while my life hasn't changed very much either because I'm home all the time. I'm not leaving to go to a studio. There's still this sense of um, safety and what is safe and what will keep you safe and what was the original intention of a made object, especially with regards to textiles. There's this warmth and domesticity and safety and um, encapsulating, like you said, quality to a quilt specifically that is made for a purpose and is often gifted and it is it is made with um, a lot of emotion or it's made with love and um, you know that's not going to save you in a pandemic right so that is something that I'm thinking again about these sort of meager skills um, and thinking about taking these domestic objects out into this other space which is the outdoors where um Alaskans feel safe like that was you know there for a while we were stuck in our homes we couldn't go anywhere but we could still go outside you know I was looking at other places in the U.S. and in the world where they couldn't even go outside but here we still had this other space and so um so I've been thinking a lot about that um that's that moment where those two um spaces come together. So the, the domestic and the outdoors, like what is that third space and, and how do we dwell in that third space? So I was taking all the mending outside and sitting in the snow and working with these old quilts and things. Um, and now I'm doing something that feels a little bit more literal, kind of making these suits um, out of these old quilts and thinking about it in terms of um, the kinds of skills that um, that don't keep you safe versus versus the icon of the suit that does keep you safe and um, and still thinking about that that intersection and where that that third space is mm -hmm. and, and what it means to put on not just wrap up in a quilt, but literally like suit up in it. And so that's um, that's what I've been messing around with right now. And it, it, it's very interesting to me to um, to speak, you know, um, so you know clearly about um, in, you know an insistent kind of material and imagery that you know has accompanied um, this kind of 
this journey of, of, of motherhood, but also what we're going through culturally at this time, and you're taking the quilt outside as a kind of fragile armor. Um, Carla's, you know, making these sculptural wearable works that, um, again, speak to, to sort of fragility and a kind of um, encapsulation. And, and yet, um, it, well, and around us, you have either the home situation, which can devolve into a tantrum, or a national situation where um, there's a lot of, um, there's a, a frequent tantrum going on on the highest level. And um, that's kind of a remarkable uh, parallel of disarray and disorder, which we're having to maneuver, you know, um, in our communities and, and in our homes. Um, how I'd like to ask each of you if or how you relate to um, the the kind of national dialogue and what's happening in the White House versus your house. I mean, there's some really interesting, <laughs> strange um, parallels that exist that have to do with how do we as individuals maneuver through this kind of uh, storm of uncontrollable kind of um, out, you know, behavior, and and where does where does the the, the creative and or mothering voice um, click in to um, offer some strategies and constructive responses? Well, I can speak to that. Um, the first thing that comes to my mind is that um, we don't have a stormy household. It's very quiet and it's very calm. And that's just our temperaments all coming together, luckily, in a way that, um, you know, yeah, I, pr I basically have two teenagers who, who need a lot of space. Um, but I have a husband who's working from home who also needs a lot of space and I need a lot of space. And so we're giving each other a lot of space. Um, and it's so far, it's been okay. But there's also been an awful lot of tending happening and a lot of kindness and a lot of extra care that as a mother, it is falling on me perhaps a bit more, but it's also an opportunity to model that kind of behavior for my children. Mm. And um, you tend yeah. and you mend, Amy. It's really interesting. You just have this yeah, sort of like, no, you know, the, stitch by stitch kind of presence. Mending is, it's the embodiment of, of care and tending, right? And so, mm -hmm. and then the other piece of that is then to be able to share those skills with other people has been a huge part of you know the last six or eight months of my life and so um that to me feels um vital in that it it extends outward into what i really think of as as a repair culture and how how we've lost these skills and so there are people who still have them and it's just a matter of sharing them and it's not about making money sh sharing these skills or anything like that it's about like really thinking about what is sustainable what's what is sustainability and it's a large portion of it in my mind is skill sharing and 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 just giving freely of um of that kind of um knowledge and that kind of um i don't know long-term gathering of 
information that informs my work, but there's no secret to what I do. It's old. It's really old. And so there's just a gap from, you know, one generation to the next that were, you know, people just didn't learn these things. And so to, to be able to share those things, that's an act of tending that I feel strongly about as well. And so, you know, teaching people how to mend their pants isn't going to save the world, but it does give people a sense of agency and it does give people a sense of um, autonomy and, um, and understanding that starts to move beyond the sort of like feel good act and then starts to become like, wait a minute, I, I should be able to fix everything. Why can't I fix this all by myself? Why is it that when this plastic thing breaks, I have to throw it away? Like, I think there's, there's some questioning that starts happening and, and something that turns into an actionable thought process and something that starts to become more societal. And so that is important to me and that interests me. I feel like I've gotten really off topic, but I don't know, I guess the things that I'm, that I'm thinking about that keep me grounded and keep me connected to other people, not just the core of my family. That's what it and feels like the to me is, is this connection and what kind of connections we are sustaining and the connections that um, aren't available to me anymore and strengthening the ones that I, that I do have. Um, I feel that being in a, you know, a small family unit, we're not, I'm not isolated. I'm not alone. Um, I'm with this, in this little Petri dish of, of people. And we've had to work so much on our communication, on listening, um, on letting emotions be, and then coming back and resolving them later. And I find that there's a lot of grace in, in those moments. Um, and it's hard, it's hard to not take things personally, especially with kids or, or even grownups. But I find that there, that the trust within our family has grown so much um, to that, 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 that unit will, will be there and is stronger, even if we're experiencing, you know, negative, um, emotions because of the fear that um, just permeates everything right now. Um, I, I also, something that Amy said um, really spoke to me about this culture of make do. I feel growing up here, we, we are isolated. Um, certainly in the 80s and 90s before internet, we, um, we didn't have access to materials as, as readily as in other places. And so in some ways, this whole um, shutdown and, and insular feeling feels very natural and kind of normal. Um, I feel like we can, uh, I, I've been able to adapt to it quite readily because it feels like the way I grew up to a small extent. Um, so I really like that conversation about reusing and mending and um, feeling connected to, to these physical things in our life that aren't um, instead of throwing them away. Um, I also, I've been looking a lot about back at, at history and the connection that this moment of time has drawn um, that, that very pivotal moment in 1917 and 1918 during the Spanish influenza 
and how people coped with it back then. Um, my grandma was born in 1917 and she passed away earlier this year at 102. Mm-hmm. And as I look back at things from her life and the way, the, 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 the moments that she lived through, have that fear of this invisible but physical um, virus, all of a sudden we're doing the exact same thing. And I find that, um, that the culture that, that my mother was raised in through her mother living through this, this moment of time and then the depression and then World War II, they did make do. She, she always kept her same paper napkin. Everybody had their own individual, um, you know, you don't share germs. It's this completely different way of life that has a lot of um, wisdom in it. And I don't, I guess I don't have an answer, but I, I find, I feel really connected to, um, to that past and to looking back at, at the old and the slower ways of doing things that we um, have some lessons we could learn from. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'm sure Amy has some observations, but I would like to, um, since we're past the halfway point pause and check in with some of our listeners who've been providing some really interesting comments. Um, I wanted to invite um, Summer Han. I'm so glad you're with us, Summer. You know, just to to speak aloud, a woman with a very similar practice as these two women, a lot to share in terms of mothering and and, um, and mending and and stitching. And what what are some um, questions or comments that you might like to share? Oh, well, I feel so honored to be just picked out of this group. Thank you so much. Um, hi, Amy. Nice hey. to see you again. Carla, awesome to meet you in virtual person. Like? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great to be here. Um, I, the work that you're both doing resonates with me so much. Um, I'm always looking for other artist mothers, um, just just for influence and suggestions and that conversation. Um, and so I just appreciate hearing both of your perspectives on how um, just who you are, which also happens to be a mother, um, influences what you're doing. And um, yeah, I guess uh, I um, I think I I wrote some things on there that everybody can see. But I was fortunate to be able to attend Amy's quilt workshop, um, the first one she did on Zoom. And um, like I stated, I just feel that inner that intersection you're creating um, with that future comforts. Uh, body is so intriguing to me. Um, the context that we're living in here in Alaska during this COVID time is, I just feel like it's so different than what the rest of the U.S. is experiencing because we have this space, um, outside that makes it feel like things are fairly normal. You know, I, I live on 10 acres. We can, my kids are so happy out there. It's a, just a natural school. So um, I just appreciate the attention you're bringing to that with the quilts going outside. Um, Carla, the wishbones are so cool. I grew up 
um, breaking them. Uh, my That was a tradition that we had every time we ate a bird, um, my mom would save them. And it was always a really big deal because I have two brothers about who would get to break them and when and what you would wish for. And I carry that tradition on here at my house with my children and they get very excited. And I showed them your work and they wanted to know if you were going to break the sculpture. And I said, I don't think so. Um, but they're just so intriguing. That form is so beautiful. Um, I, I love that white bone on that black wall. I'm just so excited to see where you take that body and how many you make and what they look like after they're installed. So just ve very cool, you guys. I'm, I'm just really happy to be here and to hear more about your process. And uh, thank you so much. I'm going to mute myself now. Thanks. Thanks so much, Summer. I wanted to invite um, Bruce Farnsworth and or Brian Hutton, who've also joined us and made some interesting comments about um, tantruming and when the tantruming child is in charge, if, if, if either of you felt like elaborating on, on the um, connections or observations that you're making. The tantruming so, child in charge? Yeah, Bruce and, and Brian were talking about that. I think that speaks to the national context. Which oh, sometimes okay. feels like I was going to say that the, the tantruming child in my home is never in charge. <laughs> <That's> yeah. not, <laughs> <laughs> not how you roll. No. No. Um, yeah. But, I, I mean, we're I, about. I want to ask these guys to actually elaborate before, in case I might be misunderstanding or any aspects of the question or observation, Brian or Bruce, did, did you want to add anything? Yeah. Thanks, Amy. You're right. <laughs> Blah blah blah. No, I just what I, you just used that phrase. I, I wasn't actually thinking of of anything. I I just love mm -hmm. that that phrase, a tantrum situation. Oh, that and, was Carlos. Yeah, 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 mm -hmm. Carlos. Um, I don't know. I it just it just rang a little bell in my head when you referred to it because I feel like in some ways I find myself in like a tantrum situation, but it's more like a metaphor than anything, but I just like the phrase, wasn't thinking of any social implications of it or anything. Else. Oh, it's a good one. And uh, Brian, I'm going, what I was thinking? thinking? I was thinking exactly that, how the family is a microcosm. And if you have an out of control macrocosm, that you create that space within your home and, and with and you talked about it in your work where the tantruming child is not in charge and you're dealing with uh, putting together a safe environment, an environment that is uh, you have some control in. Yeah. Time of, of so very so very little control. And that makes me think maybe some maybe some poetry will emerge. I don't know. Yeah, I mean I think that as a as a mother in particular, I mean I think that's what, what you do, right? You make a safe space the best safe space that you can, it whether um no matter what, I mean, I think that's the goal of any mother, no matter the situation, right? How dire it is. Like if you have a child in front of you, um, you need to make that child feel safe. And um, 
and so for us, it has meant um, having a, a very structured home and um, a, I won't say a, a schedule. My children aren't scheduled, but we have a, a, a routine that is the same every single day. And it's been that way for years. Monday was oatmeal day. Tuesday and Thursday was egg day. Saturday was pancake day. It's like you didn't get to choose. You could have scrambled eggs or you could have fried eggs, but you know, Tuesday and Thursday is egg day. And so it just eliminated the, the, um, you know, this, this constant arguing or, you know, that can, it can happen when children are, are flexing their muscles. Right. And so that's just a, you know, the, the style of parenting that my husband and I have, have taken up. But I think what it does is it, that idea of a rhythm, I think really started applying to my studio practice probably five or six years ago when I was feeling, when I was the one having the tender temper tantrum <laughs> and not understanding how I was gonna be able to make the work that I felt I really wanted and needed to make. And, and it wasn't until somebody who is not an artist, but is also a mother, asked me to look at the rhythm of my entire year as, as, as how my studio practice evolves over the course of a year. And that was really, really helpful for me because what I realized through observation over the next couple of years is that summertime is the gathering phase and it is gathering materials and gathering ideas and working with small portable components. And then the winter time is, um, is building, building with those components. That's generally when I spend the most time sitting at the sewing machine, when I spend the, the most time in my studio constructing. But in the summer, if I, can, if I can make these small components, then I can put them all together later. And so once I realized that that was the, the rhythm of the entire year, it gave me a lot of breathing room um, to be more gentle with myself because I was going to have to make this practice fit into my family because the, the pushing against my family was not good for anybody. So um, I would give that advice to any artist mother is look at your entire year. Don't look at this month or this summer or today. That's so interesting. I, I feel um, <laughs> that I, I would be on the, you know, if you're in that process and that's already something that you've established, I have not been able to begin that process yet, but I see it. And that's, that's what I was saying about consequences. I, I do feel that it's this um, one or the other at times. And, and I, I don't like, like, rhythms are nice, but personally, I don't like being controlled by doing the same thing every day. Although I know that it's important for children and important for adults to have that um, that clarity and that and that rhythm and knowing what comes next is very um, freeing in a way. But but part of me just I don't want to do it. <laughs> um, but it it uh, it's definitely something that I have have thought about and I'm aware of. I just have not been able to implement it yet. 
part of that is that we are we we have been unmoored in a um, in a rental situation that's very small while we're building this this home that um, is a beautiful home but more than that is specifically designed for our needs we when we set about making this house we thought about what I as a as a artist need what my husband needs what our kids need and design spaces around those things so another family wouldn't um wouldn't build it the same way because they wouldn't need those same types of spaces so every everything is considered in a way that i have to remember very soon we can experience and begin to set toward that goal of having a rhythm and having clear expectations of what the day will look like. Um, but at this point, it is, it's more on the absurd and chaotic side of things than the, than the um, potential lovely rhythm of the future that I hold as a shining star <laughs> that might happen someday. We're, we're kind of lost in the whirlwind. And um, I find that, you know, I'm, I'm like at the center of the spider web and I'm weaving in all these different directions and everybody is, is in balance with each other. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. Structure is not a one size fits all. Yeah. yeah. No, it's not. And it, but within, that, within that structure, and it's not, like I said earlier, my kids are feral. <laughs> but within that, in that rhythm, there's, there's a lot of play, like they can move around a lot within it. Um, but I think that for me, that um, the idea of beginning as you mean to go on is really, really important and not um, heaping on so much expectation because you might be able to do it for a period of time. Everything else is going to fall apart and everything else is going to suffer. Like there will be a consequence. Um, but it, that's not sustainable, right? So, um, so I don't know, I tried, I am the kind of person who, um, who, yeah, I, I will start working and I won't eat and I won't, you know, think about other people. I'll just go and go and go, but I can't, I can't do that. I just mm -hmm. literally can't. <laughs> That's other people knocking on the door. So. Let's turn to a couple more questions from our, our listeners. Um, I wanted to invite Arjun to, to unmute and just ask uh, what you call a mini lightning round one two and three of questions that you have for these women. Are you there, Arjun? Oh, hello. Hi, I'm here. Hi. Um, hey, hi, uh, Carla. Nice hello. to see you again. And Amy, hi. Um, hi. I just have a couple little goofy questions that I wanted to ask because I thought they would be interesting. Give me some personal insight. I want to know what your favorite colors are. <laughs> Black. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's simple. <laughs> I am I am drawn to contrasting colors, specifically um, turquoise is one of my absolute favorites. And then, well, you can see I have my turquoise chair and my yellow. I have lawn. the same chairs. I love strong contrasts and pure bright colors. And I've I've been trying to teach myself to use subtlety and. Um, incorporating more white into things so that the colors can aren't competing for attention. 
Would it be funny to say that the both answers are exactly what I guessed? <laughs> I guess the same thing. Um, and I want to know what is, um, if, if there was like an, an artist that you're a fan of, like who's, who's the person that you would just love to meet and learn from or exchange ideas with? Mm. Louise Bourgeois, but she terrifies me. But still, Louise Bourgeois. Well, but she's gone now. Oh, <laughs> I know. Gone, right? She's ideal. <laughs> she's my ideal. <laughs> so you're looking for a living artist? Yeah. Like, if, if there's anybody that you would, like, love to meet that, who's, like, well, hopefully living. I mean. <laughs> I would love to meet Wayne White. I, um... I just watched this amazing documentary with him and have started following his work. Um, totally worth looking at. He makes wearables and sculpture and word paintings. Um, he, he, he is make do. I mean, he uses cardboard and materials that are right. Um, yeah. Right around him. And yeah, he's, he's a magician. I, I, I would, and he's hilarious too. So I would, probably like to meet him. But I, I really enjoy speaking to any artist, anybody with a passion for making or doing. Um, there's, there's just so much to learn from everybody and to share. Yeah, oh, okay. And um, yeah, Carl already answered this. I just want to know what your star sign was. So Amy? Did you already answer that, Carla? She wrote it in the chat. On the chat. Oh, well, okay. See, I'm not coordinated enough to do the chat and like see people and then I, I anyway. Um, I'm a Virgo, so that's probably pretty clear. <laughs> like, I, that's, oh, that's a <laughs> Virgo. I've heard it's called a pre-existing condition. <laughs> <laughs> no, and we have um, my daughter is also a Virgo, and my son and my husband are Gemini's. So there's this crazy balance. That's, oh. I'm a Gemini. Yeah. Okay. They're the, the activities directors and my daughter and I are like kind of the support team. Oh, <laughs> wonderful. Um, and, 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 and Carla, can you spell uh, Wayne Wright's name so I can look him up? That sounds fascinating. Uh, W-A-Y-N-E and then white, W-H-I-T-E. Oh, like the color. Okay. Yeah. Great. Thank you very much. Lydia, thank you, Arjun, so much. Lydia, are you still with us, and would you be interested in uh, sharing your questions aloud? Um, so my question was for Amy. Since I grew up in the Asheville area of North Carolina, I went to USDA, very familiar with the Blue Ridge Mountains, with Warren Wilson. How has your creative process, your making, varied from going to North Carolina to Alaska? Because I've found that I've really opened myself up since I've moved to Alaska. So, um, yeah, the, the, when I'm in the Asheville area, um, because this isn't a, the program that I'm in isn't a studio-based program, it's a research program. Mm -hmm. um, and so there isn't as much opportunity as I wish there was to actually be out in the Asheville area. When I'm there, we are literally in class for 12 hours a day. So it's not, um, it's, I did go to Cherokee over the summer, which was amazing and wonderful. Um, but it's, 
Yeah, that's one thing that I wish, I wish there was a little bit more time to actually be engaging with more artists and craftspeople. It's um, when we're there, we're together engaging with an awful lot of theory and um, academia, which is different. But what um, the reason why I'm doing this program, um, and it wouldn't have really mattered where it was, I guess, um, it, Asheville is beautiful and wonderful. Um, I'm doing it because I felt like I needed to figure out where my work fits in to um, the realm of craft. I'm one of those people who has a, a craft-based practice, sort of post-disciplinary. Um, I call myself an artist, but the root of my work is, is craft-based and old. And so I think what I really wanted to get from this program was um, a peer mentorship um, component, which um, I feel really fortunate to have received, and um, access to other people. So we have faculty who are in London and in France and um, all over, and that has been outstanding. Um, but also just a better handle on some of the theoretical aspects of craft-based work that I could apply to my own work. And so, because I'm still in the middle of this program, um, I'm thinking about things all the time, but I've, I've kind of shut that off now that I've turned in my last papers for the semester um, last week. I'm like, nope, not gonna think about this anymore. I'm just gonna get into the studio and work. So um, I think it's gonna take me a while to um, mull through um, what it all means and um, come out the other end of it. But um, it's been really hard and really challenging and um, I've really been enjoying it. It's been great. That's awesome. Have you been to or heard of the Penland School of Craft in I think Mitchell County? Yeah, I haven't been there. Um, I've certainly read a lot about it um, and it's it's incredible. I mean, the, the craft schools in that area are amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Lydia. Uh, is Sally Oberstein, if you're still with us, would you like to share your comments on parenting and pandemic? Yeah, just a couple of uh, quick things is uh, kudos to you. <clears throat> both and actually to all of the artists uh, to be creating life, if you will, in art during a time when there's, um, you know, so much discussion about death. So that um, I love. And even if you're in the process, um, kudos to you for being in the process. Um, raising kids is also an art form. So there's that. Um, but I did want to say that um, we make the rules as parents what are, whether we're, you know, following a regiment or we're doing it uh, more uh, creatively, if you will. Um, there's no, there's no right or wrong about what that space is. And um, I don't think looking at it in terms of a week or a year is even enough. If you're an artist, it's your life and that's your space. And I raised a kid in a, in a space where there was always art, art happening. There were projects and uh, that's what he experienced. I was a role model for being expressive of passion. I have raised a kid who is, uh, he has workshops in everywhere you go and creating things and is expressive and 
if we can role model that um, limiting when you're an artist, uh, I don't think it really works, but uh, if you can just be an artist, even when you're doing the, the stuff that's regimented, um, I think it's the best way you can role model for your kids. Anyway, kudos to both of you for doing what you're doing. Thank you, Sally. Thanks for sharing, yeah. Sally. It's been a great discussion today, and I wanted to invite anyone else if they have any observations or closing comments to share them, please speak up. Can I say something? This is Rika. And um, first, I just want to thank both of you. I, I've loved this series throughout since it started, and I see Bruce is on there. Hearing you talk helps me understand that I'm not alone. I'm going through such similar feelings, and it um, even though I'm not a mother, I feel like I'm a mother in a different way, but it, it still, I'm just feeling that we're, I have such similar feelings and that you are saying things that I have not been able to even figure out how to articulate. And it's, it's just, this whole series has helped me understand myself more and humanity more and um, how important this group of artists, how artists were, we think and feel and take in sentiments similarly. And maybe it's not just artists, but since we're having this conversation, I just feel um, helped and connected and thank you. Um, it's just been a real struggle on many levels, even though my little life is perfect and relatively unchanged. Um, we are all connected mentally as social beings. And I just, uh, I just appreciate feeling connected and understood through you. And thank you all. And thank you all for the past um, artists who have participated. It's just been so valuable for me. Thank you ever so much. And thank you, Asia, for continuing the work on this. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much, Rika. Yeah. And, and everybody who's been a part of the conversations in one fashion or another. We'll continue it next week. Um, next week, we'll focus on um, a couple different curators talking about um, creative challenges and curatorial approaches during COVID-19. And then um, the week after that, we should be looking at how some highly creative youth are um, maneuvering this time. And we'll have a youth moderator. I just want to thank you again and um, remind you all that these conversations are recorded and can be visited at banalart.org. Um, and to please feel free to contact um, me if you have ideas for speakers and topics. This is really um, very exciting and you're all cherished um, advisors. Have a wonderful, uh, so much, Asia. wonderful week. Mm, thanks. Thank you. Thanks, thanks everybody. So thanks, Asia, thanks. Amy, Carla. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.